Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. We finish chapter 4 today with the second recorded miracle in the book of John. John chapter 4, verse 43. Now, after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again to unto Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him, and went on his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And he inquired he of them of the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This, again, is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. Thank you for the opportunity to expound on your truth. And I pray for everyone listening that hearts would be opened and that lives would be changed through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus returns to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. And he travels, uh, his, his travels in Jerusalem, they really weren't that uh, fruitful. You know, and at the end of John chapter 2, it says a lot of people believed in him, but Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew it was in their heart. And time and time again, throughout his ministry, Jesus finds himself going to the edges of society, the fringes of society. He's, he finds himself going to the outcasts to find people who would accept his message. And today we'll watch as a man who has just enough faith becomes a man with great faith. And as he gains this faith, we do also at the word of God. So let's get back into our text. Verse 46, Jesus came into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman who was sick, whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So here's this man, a nobleman, who has a sick son. And it's interesting, you look at the first miracle, it was also in Cana. And it was at the request of Jesus' mother. Here's the second request, and it's at the request of a father. And as you look at chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, we get through here and we see Jesus reaching out to people who are very different. The Word of God attracts all types of people. Chapter 1, fishermen. 
come to Jesus. Chapter uh, 3, a Pharisee, a religious ruler, comes to Jesus. Chapter 4, a harlot, and now a nobleman, come to Jesus. And so we see this man, and he is uh, he, he has a son at Capernaum. And a Capernaum was a city that saw its share of miracles. You you go through the scriptures and you see Matthew chapter 8, the centurion's servant is healed in Capernaum. You go to Mark chapter 5, you see Jairus' daughter raised from the dead at Capernaum. And yet, when we get to Matthew chapter 11, Jesus declares woe upon Capernaum for their unbelief. Matthew eleven twenty three, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted under heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom... They would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Solomon in the day of judgment than for thee. Wow, worse than Sodom. You know, even those who see great things don't always believe. That's the truth. But here's a man with a desperate situation. He traveled over 20 miles to beg for his son's well-being. He besought Jesus. That word in the Greek means kept beseeching. Over and over again. He kept coming to Jesus over and over again. There's this picture here with that word. That means that this man just kept bugging Jesus, kept asking him and asking him, asking him. And, and Jesus says, you know, you're not going to believe unless you see a sign and wonder, are you? Because he's getting to the point. It's not, it's not the miracle. It's not healing. That's not the point. The point is salvation. The point is belief, faith, that leads to salvation. But this man keeps coming over and over again, desperate. He needed help. He wasn't going to give up. And Jesus says that's how we should be sometimes. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We should all be that determined when a loved one is sick, when someone's lost, when someone's hurting. And so Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. The nobleman says, sir, come down, or else my child's going to die. And Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him, and he went his way. Now Jesus' response to him has two aspects. In verse 48, he's lamenting at the spiritual condition of his people. These people that he's meeting, in general, are seeing as believing types. And listen, folks, seeing is believing is not a Christian philosophy. I know you've talked to people about Jesus at some point. And they said, unless I can see God, I'm not going to believe in him. I've got to see it to believe it. Well, seeing, seeing, and seeing is believing is not the same as faith. Faith is seeing yet not believing. Right? Seeing yet not believing. I think Scripture says something about that. Blessed are they who will believe yet have that will not see. That's what faith is. Seeing is believing is not a Christian Jesus was drawing this man out, forcing him to come to grips with his own need, which was faith in Christ. See, this man's coming for his, the need of his son, but he has a need, an even greater need. He needs to come to Christ. This man comes to Jesus with two mistaken ideas. Number one, he thought Jesus had to go to his son to heal him. And Jesus proved to him that he's not limited by space. No one's too far away from God to be touched by him. Secondly, he thought that if his son died, it would be too late. Well, Jesus already proved at the wedding that he's not limited by time. He sped up the process of making wine. He made it instantly. Later on in his ministry, just before his own death, burial, and resurrection, he would prove with Lazarus that he's never too late in performing a miracle. Four days late, still on time. And so Jesus says, go. 
your son lives. And the man believed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. There was a change in his heart. He went from believing that only if Jesus physically came to his house could his boy healed, to just believing what he had said. And that's a point we all have to come to. Believing but simply because Jesus said so. Now, let's be honest. You might not agree with what God's telling you, but you better believe it. Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Don't you think the heart of Jesus rejoiced as he saw the Samaritan woman and now this nobleman turn from disbelief to belief simply because of his word? We fall into the trap when we're sharing our faith, folks, of thinking that we have to have the answers for everything. I can't share my faith because I don't know enough scriptures. Well, if you don't know enough scriptures, it's your own fault. You have plenty of time. And let me tell you how you can get to know scriptures. Turn off the TV. Turn off the TV and read your Bible. That's all. Get off the internet. <laughs> Quit trolling Facebook for two hours a day and read your Bible. You'll know enough scripture to talk to people. And even if you don't know enough scripture to talk to people, the Holy Spirit of God is more powerful than you. And he will bring scriptures to your remembrance. And the, what little bit of word of God you can get into somebody, that's better than none. Just believe that you can. Simply believe because of his word. Get into the word of God and then share that with people. Because it changes lives. It really does. It changes people from the inside out. Verse 51. As this man was now going down back to his home, his servants met him. They come out towards him. They come after him because they say, we've got news. Your son, he's, he's healed. He's alive. Then he asked in verse 52 of the hour when he began to amend. They said, yesterday, about the seventh hour, about one in the afternoon, the fever left him. So the father knew, verse 53, that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, that this, and his whole house. This, again, is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. So here's proof. Here's proof. We had, we had a problem, this sick boy. We had a plea by the father, come and, and, and heal my son. We had Jesus say, your son's healed, just said it. And now we have proof. I think it's interesting that the servants come into this story because servants always know what's going on. Always. The servants met him saying, your son's alive. At the wedding, John chapter 2, verse 9, the servants knew what Jesus did, but nobody else had, done, had knew. Hey, listen, a servant is busy about his master's work. A servant has knowledge of both circumstance and his master's heart. A servant, are you getting this? A servant is in the know. Do you want to be in the know? Do you want to know what's going on in this world? Do you want to know what God's doing? You can't do that. You can't know that. You can't be that person unless you're a servant. You've got to be a servant. There was a gospel song years ago. A young lady sang, said, If you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. That's what it comes down to, being a servant. And we're to be servants of God. But we're more than servants now. 
John fifteen fifteen, Jesus said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Servants know what's going on around, but they don't always know what's going on in the mind of the of the master. Now we're the friends of God, and we not only know everything that's going on because we're servants, but we know what the heart of God is because we're his friend. All the things that Jesus heard of his Father, he makes known unto us. And so there's proof, there's good news. Your son's alive. He got better about 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. I think it's amazing. I think the 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 um <laughs> the 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 nobleman asked, "When did he begin to amend? When did he begin to heal?" He thought there'd be a gradual improvement, but God healed the boy instantly, instantly. And so that's great news, isn't it? But there's better news at the end of verse fifty-three. And he himself believed, and his whole house. He got saved, and his whole house got saved. See, how does that happen? Well, one person tells another person, another person tells another person. Hey, household salvation is a promise of Scripture if you're faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.16, Paul baptized the whole household of Stephanus. Uh, Acts 16.15, um, Lydia's entire household was baptized. Acts 16.31-34, through 34, the Philippian jailer. He believed and his whole household got saved and they believed. Folks, God can do amazing things if you'll just allow him. If you'll just allow him, he can do incredible things. But you have to believe. You have to have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, you say, but my faith is so weak. It's so weak. Well, you pray like the disciples did. Increase our faith. You know, Lord, help my unbelief. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He's made you perfect. But he does expect you to try. He expects you to walk in the perfection that he's created inside of you. As best you can. You're still in your flesh. You're still in your flesh. You're still going to have failings. That's why you have to confess your sins. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why Jesus washed Peter's feet. At the Last Supper, you know, Peter says, No, Lord, I can't let you wash my feet. You're the Lord. I'm, I'm just, a, he goes, If you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have anything to do with me. And Peter said, Well, then wash my whole body. And I think Jesus laughed at that point and said, Peter, you just don't get it, do you? You're clean. You don't have to, you don't have to be washed again. You've been saved. You don't have to be washed again. But your feet get dirty in this old world. And you got to wash your feet sometimes. You're saved. If you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. You can't lose it. John chapter 10. Those that get into the Father's hand can't pry themselves out of the Father's hand. No man can pry them out of the Father's hand. You're done. Now, I know there's people out there they have these competing ideas, the free will of man, uh, the, the sovereignty of God. i got news for you. Both of them are true. The free will of man and the sovereignty of God are like two train tracks going the same direction. Straight down the track. But at some point, there is a, a turnoff. There is a switch that can be thrown that can move you off of the free will track and onto the sovereign track. 
because at some point those two will diverge and the free will track heads downward. <laughs> the free will of man heads downward as we get to our expected end, which is hell. But the track of God starts moving upward. And so when you are on the track, exercising your free will, you're exercising your free will. You're allowed to. But at some point, if you decide to follow Christ, you get over onto that sovereign track, and now you're on it. And there, after that, there's no more transfers. After you transfer over to the sovereign will of God, there's no transfers off. You're on the train. You're, you're there. You're not getting out of the Father's grip. Isn't that good news? It's amazing news. And guess what? If you do that... You can communicate to your friends who are still over on the other track. You can talk to them. You can help them. You can bring them over. You can bring your whole household over if you'd like. It's possible. Because with man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? So this nobleman, he began his journey with a crisis of faith. He had crisis faith. He was just believing, please, God, something has to happen. Somehow, some way, there, there, my, my son has to be saved. His crisis faith became confident faith when he left and started home. He, he had some confidence. He believed. He was, yes, I'm going to believe. But then that confident faith, when he heard that his son was healed, became confirmed faith. Confirmed. Now there's absolute bedrock understanding and knowledge the truth i see this god is real and his confirmed faith here's the good part his confirmed faith became contagious faith when he shared his experience with others and his whole household got saved maybe you're at a point right now where there's crisis in your life and you're in crisis faith i'd encourage you to have some confidence in god and when you see god start to move you can see your faith confirmed and see God moving in your life and doing some great things. And if that happens, please, please, please let your faith get contagious. Start sharing it with people. Start sharing it with everyone you meet. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them what God is doing in your life. Because that's why we're still here. That's why we're still here. That's why Jesus went back to Cana. Because there was still work to do. There's still work to do here on earth. If there weren't, we'd be in heaven by now. There's still something to do. There's still someone to reach. Remember we said last week that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven, folks. And that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And so we're still here so we can tell somebody else about that. We're still here so that the crises in our life can, can, can meld into confidence in God. And that confidence in God can be confirmed as we see him move in our lives. And that confirmed faith can become a contagious faith to share our faith with others so that they can move from crisis to confidence to confirmation to contagious as well. So I leave you this week with one simple question. How has your faith grown at the hearing of God's word? This man came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Your son lives. Your son's li It's okay, go ahead. Go. Go your way. And it says, The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. When's the last time you read the Bible, and you just believed the word?
You believed what it said. You just knew that was something for you. Right then, right now, it, where you're at, that was a word for you. That was what God had for you right now. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible. You can read it over and over and over again. And you can see new things all the time because it's alive. Hebrews says the word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even asunder the soul and the spirit. Getting down to the bone and the marrow. It, 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 it gets down to the quick. It gets down to, to the core of who we are. It shows us who we are. And because it's alive... Every time we read it, we see something we didn't see before. There's so much in there. So get into your word. Believe the word of God. And move from crisis to confidence to confirmed to contagious. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Join us again next week as we move into John chapter 5. Until then, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.